are in the middle of a series called First Things First. And we did this a couple years ago. Uh, we loved it so much, we wanted to revisit it at some point. Uh, we made it as clear as we could. We're talking about priorities. We're talking about first things first. How do, we, how do we establish and make the priorities in our life, and, and what are they, and how do we ask good questions to figure that out? So, so uh, Chris started us off last week asking the question, what is the most important thing in your life. That's how we determine what our priorities are. What takes first place? What takes second place, you know? And uh, maybe there are stated priorities, but maybe how you live and how you decide things maybe shows that there's other priorities, that there's other things uh, that take priority in your life than maybe what you state is in your life. We also want you to ask the question, what does God say the most important thing in your life should be? Now, this is, we're, we're all intelligent people, and you're a very intelligent church, so we, we, we don't want to spoon-feed you this. We know that most of you, even if you are, weren't raised in church, you've been around long enough that you could probably answer this question. What do you think, right, God wants to, you know, for you to be a priority and the most important thing in your life? It's obviously Him, all right? But we want to spend this series talking about, well, why do we struggle with that? Why is that an issue? Why, is it, why do we sometimes find ourselves stating maybe that we want that to be our priority, but we don't actually get to live out and, and, and kind of respond in ways that show that that is actually our priority. So here's our theme verse we kicked off last week from John 15. Hopefully this is one of those verses you can memorize. Um, remain in me and I will remain in you. This is Jesus talking. For a branch cannot produce fruit on its, if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot produce fruit or you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Okay, very clear. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, you know, it's kind of hard to imagine because we spend a lot of time of our lives actually trying to do a whole lot of things, right? So we, we do try to accomplish a lot. Jesus is trying to get to the point that you're not going to, it's not that you're not going to do anything, is that apart from me, you really can't produce fruit. You can't do anything that matters. You can't do anything that's lasting. You can't do anything that's, that's, uh, that's going to be uh, fulfilling God's plan for your life, that's only going to be in him, that that's going to happen. So last week, Chris started us off, and I encourage you to go back and listen to it. You know, he talked about the battle for our attention, right? The battle for our attention, the battle for what distracts, you know, the distractions in our life, the battle for what uh, he talked about idols in terms of, you know, it's no longer, you know, golden calves and poles set up in the front yard of our homes. You know, it's, it's uh, idols are just anything that keeps us, that's kind of between us and God. And so what are the idols in our life and what are the distractions in our life? And what is it that's kind of grasping for our attention that keeps us from keeping first things first in terms of what God says should be first in our life. So I encourage you to go back and listen to that. Today, we're going to focus on the battle for our identity. The battle for our identity. We're going to talk a lot today about how we define ourselves and how, what, what, you know, what are the things that define us in terms of our identity. And we're going to talk about how that plays, plays its role in, uh, in, in our priorities. So very simply, identity. Just to give you a quick, you know, we always start with the basic, right? Quick understanding of what identity means. We're talking about the characteristics, and that's the word I want you to remember. It's the characteristics that determine or determining who or what a person or thing is, okay? It's the characteristics. Why? This is a chair right here on the front row. Why is it a chair? Why do I identify it as a chair? Well, it's got the characteristics, right, that make it a chair, right? 
You are, Courtney's a human being, right? You're a human being. Why? Because you have the characteristics that make you a human being. Everybody with me? Nod your head, yes? So this is just the basic understanding. When you talk about identification and identity, you're talking about just the characteristics that make something someone. Make someone something or, you know, it just, it's the characteristics of that. And for us, as we talk about this series, there's a contrasting thought every week in terms of what's at, what's at war with us talking about our identity and having the right priorities when it comes to our identity. And for us, it's the idea of temporary significance versus lasting purpose. Temporary versus lasting. And this, in terms of our identity, we're talking about temporary significance because everybody wants their life to matter, right? Everybody wants their life to be significant. They want to participate in. They want to pursue things. They want to be linked to things that have significance, that matter in this life. But sometimes, again, talking about today, the battle for our identity, we can oftentimes, in the pursuit of purpose, we will tell people that we want purpose in our life, but in the pursuit of lasting purpose, in the pursuit of purpose, in the search for purpose, sorry, many of us will settle for a lie identity, right? Everybody like that word, right? A lie identity with significance. In our search for this lasting purpose that God has sort of put in us, that, that is a part of linking with him, we will sometimes settle for a false identity. We will settle for a lie identity because it has significance, temporary significance to it. And those characteristics that come with kind of feeding into how we define ourselves can come from anywhere. They come from lots of places in terms of kind of this, this battle we, we face in terms of our identity. The, the, the identities come from sometimes our career, right? Because we want to, we if we're going to work, I mean, goodness gracious, we work so, so, so much of our week is spent in work. We want it to matter. We want it to be significant, but sometimes the career we pursue or the work that we do can really start to go, to go to war with how we see ourselves and how we define ourselves. So some of that can create an identity for us and in us. Sometimes it's money. And it's not money the way sometimes you think it's money because it's not always the pursuit of money because you're greedy. Sometimes it's money because what you pursue is security. You pursue what money can do in terms of keeping you secure and making you feel safe. And that can create an identity in your life. Marriage and parenting, we'll talk about that in terms of the roles and positions and functions of, of, of how marriage and, and parenting can, can kind of feed that. Success is another one in terms of, you, you know, you want to be, everybody wants to be known for their successes. We don't want to be known for the things we, we failed at, right? But success can play into kind of that, that identity. Power and popularity. Power in terms of influence over people and influence with people, but popularity is a little bit more common nowadays because of social media, right? It doesn't have to be just popularity from the standpoint of, you know, movie stars and TV stars and musicians and rock stars. It's no longer just that, like when I was growing up. It's, it's the social media sphere where you're the most popular in your circle of people. You know, your stuff gets the most likes. Your stuff gets the most attention, gets the most shares in terms of popularity. It can actually begin to feed a identity in your life, a false identity. We talk about this battle 
that contrast, that you know, contrasting idea of, of, of temporary significance, because these are significant. We all have to work. Amen? Everybody say amen to that? Yeah. We all have to work, right? We're, we want to be married and parents and things like There's all these things that have significance with it, so we don't want to take that away, but we, we don't want that to, to feed an identity or a false identity in terms of keeping us away from what's lasting, in terms of what's the lasting purpose that God has in terms of first things first. And I love this verse. This is from Paul talking to the Romans. He says, uh, he starts it off by talking about your whole life, just laying down your whole life as a sacrifice to God, right? That's you're pouring it out as an offering. This is worship. And then he goes on to give us the understanding of that we don't need to conform to the pattern. Everybody say the word pattern. When you say pattern, I want you to think mold, okay? He says, I don't want you to conform to a mold, a pattern of this world, but I want you to be what? Say the word. Transformed, right? I want you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Like there's things at work here that that the world, the culture that you're in is going to kind of push you, the message paraphrase says, it's going to want you to fit into this world without even thinking about it. It's, it's kind of conforming you and pressing you into a mold that fits in our world. But Jesus is saying, through, through Paul's letter, he's like, no, I want you to be transformed. I want you to experience transformation by the renewal and by the renewing of the way you think, by the renewal of your mind. And so for us, we have to understand that that's what's at work here because we are often molded into our identities, right? We're molded into what people say and what we think about ourselves and how people define us and we define us and how all these characteristics will start to play into this. We are molded, conforming into our identity, but we are transformed by our identity in Christ. And just to let you know, that's the bottom line. That's where we're headed today, okay? We are transformed when we understand what our identity in Christ means. We can have temporary significance in terms of even the identity that we have, in terms of what, what's at work currently. But in terms of receiving lasting purpose and being connected to what God's doing and to the to big picture, we have to remember and, be, and experience that transformation that comes from our identity in Him. But it's a war. Okay? I, just want you to, I just want you to understand this. You're at war. Your teenagers are currently, especially if parents of teenagers, you know this, your teenagers are at war at how they're going to identify themselves, right? They're, they're, they're at war to figure out who they are. You experience this, when you, and now maybe depending on your age, we all answer the question differently a little bit of who we are and what our purpose is and what our significance is. We all answer that differently in our 20s than we do our 40s. We answer it differently in our 60s than we did our 40s, right? Because those temporary things are temporary. And yet our identity in Christ is lasting purpose. So this war, I want to just kind of give us a heads up. There are some, I want to talk about four identity traps. Four identity traps that really begin to feed the, the temporary, the temporary significance that we all feel, the urgent, the identity traps that come after us to help us form these lie identities, these false identities, and keep us from keeping first things first in terms of God first and foremost in our life, and in terms of keeping us kind of distracted from our identity in Christ. The first one we all experience to some degree. 
The first one is how others define us. The first one is how others define us. Now, you can remember all the way back to elementary school and, and uh, kind of starts there, so to speak, in terms of what other people call you and what other people think about you and what other people push you into categories. And, you know, you get into middle school and high school, it only gets a little bit worse, right? Your parents, how your parents talked to you, how your parents defined you, had a lot to how they defined you and what you began to think about yourself. As an adult, you have those same situations where people kind of push you into categories and put labels on you that start to make you think that's who you are. And so it begins to define you. And it's a trap. It's an identity trap, how others tend to view you and define you. Why? Well, because, I mean, let's face it, it can be good or bad. It doesn't, we always focus on the negative, but it could be positive too. You could be the sibling that holds your whole family together, right? Is there anybody, in here? I know there's somebody in here like that. Okay, you could be the sibling that holds your whole family, extended family together, and you're the one that everybody comes to with their problems, and you're the one at family gatherings that sort of smooths everything out, right? You're that family member, and it can start to, you know, place this identity in your life that that's who you have to live up to be. That's who you always have to be. That can be good, but you're going to wear the weight of that. Maybe you're the person who breaks things, right? And nobody's going to admit that, but you're the one who wrecks things, right? You're the one who always messes up. Let's say in a culture's terms, you're the one with bad luck, right? The stuff you try doesn't always seem to work compared to everybody else. And so people will start to put those labels on you and start to define you, and you actually will start to believe that that might be true, and you will live under the weight of being the one that's sort of broken in in compared to all the fixed people around you. You could be the person who always has the right answer. You could be the person that everybody goes to for wise counsel. You could be the one that just for whatever reason just always seems to know the right thing to say. And even then, you're going to live under the weight of not being able to be authentic with people, not being able to be able to share your life with people because you can't ever show them the failures or the weaknesses or the struggles that you have because you believe that that's who you're supposed to be. The good mom, right? The good mom who's feeding their kid organic stuff and all that kind of thing. Like, you're the good mom, right? You make all the good decisions. You're going to live under the weight of all your bad mom moments, which we all have, by the way, all your bad mom moments when you can't let anybody know. See, it can be good or bad. It's just how others define us really begins to just play a game with our minds of how we think who we are. And again, it's all based on temporary significance because it does matter in the moment, but it can start to, for us, we can start to really begin to settle for an identity that isn't real. And it's temporary. When it comes to who defines us, again, going back to the early question, what what does God say in terms of what should be first? I want to go to Ephesians 1. You can turn your your scriptures to Ephesians 1. I'll put it on the screen. These few verses, I love these few verses together because it just pours out so much in terms of talking about how God sees things and what God has planned for us. This is Paul talking to the church in Ephesus. He says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and, what's the words? 
Yeah, you're, I'm going to need more participation this morning. All right, hold on. All right. God loved us in what? Yeah, he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. He goes on and says, and then God in advance did what? He adopted us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace. He has what? Say it out loud. He has poured out on us who belong to his dear son, who's united with Christ. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and he forgave our sins. He has showered us his kindness on us along with wisdom and all understanding. God has now revealed to us mysteries regarding Christ, mysteries, his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his good plan. Remember that purpose we talked about? This is part of what Paul's talking about in terms of God's plan and purposes for our lives. And this is the plan. At the right time, he's going to bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything on heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from him, from God, because he chose us in advance. And he makes everything work out according to the purpose, according to the plan. Skip down to verse 13. And when you believed in Christ, he did what? He identified you. He identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit with whom he promised long ago. Verse 12 talked about the Jews and Gentiles and, and, and trying to help them understand the fullness of this picture, right? So, so when it comes to, to this, this, this game, this trap, if you will, of how others speak into our lives and how others tend to place those labels and place those, those characteristics on us that feed the identity we want to ask the question, how does God define you? How does God define you? Well, just in Ephesians, it's clear, like, he chose you, right? He chose you. He, he loves you. He freed you from your sin. He forgave you of your sin. He's poured out his grace and kindness and wisdom and understanding on you. And he identified you as his own, that's the lasting purpose. That's the identity in Christ. It's not what others say about us. It's not what the labels that others place on us. It's what God says about you that matters. It's what God says about you that's going to last longer than your temporary thing that matters so much in your mind right now. That lasting purpose in terms of who God is and how he sees every single one of you. The second trap that you need to be aware of in terms of the characteristics that come to, come to work to kind of build these false identities in our life, the second trap is what we do. The second trap is what we do. And this can be the, 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 the actual action, right? This can be your, your job, this can be your career. This can be the thing you went to school for and you studied and you went after and you, this is what you wanted it to be for your life. This could be your career, your, just your normal work in terms of what you are good at, in terms of the skill of your hands, you know, what you enjoy. Because it is, it, we want it to be significant, which is fine, but the identity trap comes into the, 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 how much what you do plays into who you think you are. It could be a role and function. Right? This is where the parenting and marriage comes in, like, like your desire to be married, 
to fill that role as a wife or to fill that role as a husband can really start to play into the identity of who you are. This especially happens to parents, right? To parents that that, that they sometimes realize it before it's too late, that they have put all this effort and time and love and energy and compassion and, and, and into their children from the role that they've had, and they, they pour it out and they pour it out. And they sometimes realize before it's too late. They don't even realize it before it's too late, that all of a sudden that's temporary. It's temporary. That role is still temporary. It's significant. But it's not the thing that lasts. What you do. It can't be work. Guys, unemployment is real. Can I get an amen from anyone in here that's experienced that? Oh, amen, all of us, including me, right? If you haven't sat with months without a job, you haven't realized the battle that you already lost because you tied what you did to your identity, right? Parents, again, I, I, I worry about parents for this because parents, so it's just so easy for it to become who you are. And listen, I was someone before my children came. Do you all remember that, right? right? I was someone before my children came. And Lord willing, if I make it, I'm going to be someone when they're gone. Right? Because I'm raising them to, to, you know, to fulfill a mission, which is to leave. That's what I want. That's how I'm raising them. So my identity can't be as a dad. It can't be as a mom. It, I, I cannot settle just because it's significant. I cannot settle for that to be my identity in terms of what I do. We're we're doing all of this, guys, with our identity in Christ as representatives of him. This is how Paul says it to the church in Colossians. He says, says, whatever you do, in word or deed, let's go to the the verse. Whatever you do or say, that's, that's the other version, Whatever you do or say in word or deed, do it as a, what's the word? Yeah, you're a representative of the Lord, giving thanks to him through God the Father. You're thankful. It doesn't mean you're not thankful. I'm thankful for my jobs. I'm thankful for the work that I get to do and bring, bring you know, the money to bring home. Like, they, like, there's no reason not to be thankful for that. It aligns with passions. It aligns with gifts and talents. That's great. But it doesn't define me. It's not who I am. I'm a steward of my children, okay? They don't belong to me. They belong to God. I'm a steward of my kids. So I want to be thankful. I'm a representative of God in their life. I represent the God, the Father to them. I want to represent them well, and I want to give thanks to God for the opportunities that I have. But it is not going to be my identity. We can't settle for our identity because of what we do. We have to remember that there's lasting purpose in our identity in Christ that is much larger than the current significance, the temporary significance of what we have in our roles and what we do. Now, I needed to add this one, and this, this could be combined with the first one, but honestly, and it doesn't affect everyone, just understand, it doesn't affect everyone, but it's important enough that I need to talk about it, okay? This is an identity trap, For many, many people, it's what we do for God. It's what we do for God. Some of you were raised in like super Christian households, okay? And how well you do at this Christian thing actually plays into your identity. 
how well you obey and how well you do things and what you do and do not do for God, depending on the culture, depending on your family, depending on the churches that you've been a part of, it can actually start to play with your identity. That just because you're crushing it right now in this Christian life and this Christian walk, you know, you're the obedient one. You're the, you're the one doing all the things you're supposed to be doing. You're the mentor. You're the one that leads others. You help others in their path. You're the one that tries to work hard to know all the answers to all the questions that people would ask. And it starts to play into your identity. Guess what? The Pharisees identified themselves the same way. Oh, they were the leaders. They were the mentors. They had all the answers. They were crushing it when it came to the religion and the Jewish religion. But they missed it. They missed the lasting purpose of what God had planned for them because they were so caught in the temporary significance of their religion. And that can't be that. You've been around Journey for a while. You, you sort of will pick up on the fact that we really, really lean hard. And this is hard. Listen, it's hard for all the rule followers in our church. I know you're out there. I love you, okay? I love you. All the rule followers in our church that just, you know, every time I get even close to it, they're just like, get them, Matt, sick them. Like, get them. Preach that to-do list, you know? But we work really hard not to make it a, a works-based approach to God because God does not work on the gold star system, okay? Just because you cussed when you, you didn't cuss when you wanted to, you know, you, you did this thing and didn't do the other because you made this choice versus the other, you do not get gold stars from God. You do not sit on a higher shelf than someone else in Christian life. You might be experiencing more of the fullness of God, but that doesn't make you any more in his eyes than anyone else. We don't want to preach that or, or create a culture that where you think that what you do for God is going to create an identity in your life as a super-Christian, as someone who, who gets it versus someone who doesn't get it. Because it's a trap. And it will keep you from experiencing the transformation that he wants for you with your identity in him. So here's how Paul addresses it to this church in Galatia. I love this passage, this set of verses. Here's how he addresses it with them. He says, listen guys, Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure you stay free. And you don't get tied up again to the slavery of the law. This is their version of following the rules, of being the Pharisees. He says, listen, Paul, he said, listen, I, Paul, tell you this, if you're counting on circumcision, which I know we don't view that like that anymore, but just think rules. If you're counting on the rules to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. You don't need Jesus. That's what he's saying. I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. Oh, you want one rule? Great. Now you get all the rules. Okay. This is Paul saying, God doesn't play gold stars. He doesn't let you choose one rule over another. If you want the rules, you get all of them. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. You've fallen away from what he came to give you. But we... We who live by the Spirit eagerly await to receive by faith the righteousness that God has promised to us. He's, he's made us right with God. For when we place our faith in Christ, there is no benefit of being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What's important is our faith expressing itself in love. 
goes back to Jesus' command. I want you to love others the way I loved you. That's, that's what I want you to do. Right? It's not about the rules you follow and don't follow. I mean, you know, we got to get back to why we even obey the law of Christ. It's not what you do, and it's not what you do for him. It's what he's already done for you that allows the transformation to happen with your identity in Christ. So don't fall for the trap. Don't fall for the trap in terms of the surface stuff with your work and your job and your role and your position. And do not fall for the spiritual traps of thinking that you can crush this Christian life and be better off than every other person in the room. Because it will. With temporary significance there, it will keep you from the purpose, the lasting purpose that he wants for you. The fourth trap. Fourth trap is one that I think we all experience in our culture at some point, is that what we feel is true. This plays itself out in a couple different ways, so let me walk you through that. We do live in a culture, we live in a culture that tells us and has told the world that if you feel this way, then it's true. It's true for you. And if you feel this way, you can't ignore those feelings. You shouldn't ignore those feelings because they are truth to you. And the problem with this, not the problem that we shouldn't pay attention to our feelings, but the problem with the overall message is that it breeds relative truth. It breeds the idea that what you feel is true for you and what you feel is true for you, and so therefore there are now multiple truths and a relative truth. And that's not what we believe. And that will cause, I'm just telling you, that will cause problems for you in terms of your identity. If you walk around and what feeds your identity is what you feel is true about you. Here's one way it works. One way it works is that because of past failures in your life, you will feel that you are still not worthy of what God wants to do in your life. So that will be true of you. Because of mistakes that you made that have lifelong consequences, you will feel like God cannot redeem you, cannot fully forgive, cannot do plan A for your life. You've you got to settle for plan B or plan C. You'll begin to feel like your childhood trauma, circumstances that were completely out of your control, that make you feel a certain way right now, keeps you from experiencing the fullness that God has for your life. And that's a problem. Because when you feel like your divorce has ruined your Christian life, when you feel like you know, your jobs and your failures and your bad luck has ruined what God wants to do in you, when you feel like the, the trauma you've experienced, when you feel like the mistake that you made keeps you from God's plan for you, then you are, you are believing a lie and you're gonna assume a lie identity even in your Christian life. There's so many scriptures that tell us, do not trust your own understanding. You've got to trust God. The, the, the heart is wicked above all of the things. Like there's so much in scripture to tell us, you are not to trust your feelings like that. They're not supposed to have that kind of power in your life. You're not supposed to look at your past to determine your future. You're supposed to forget your past. God has taken your past and removed it from you as far as the east is from the west. And your sin 
right? The writer of Hebrews says, I want you to run the race you've been called to, and I want you to strip off all the things that weigh you down so you can accomplish what I've had. This is, this is tons of scripture. But here's the problem. This is, and this is why I love this particular passage. This is God, God's prophet Isaiah speaking to the people. And he's talking about all the mistakes the Israelites made, and, he, and he's talking about all the ways in which God came through and delivered them. He takes the mistakes and what God did, and he says, look, I want you to forget all that, both of them. I want you to forget the former things. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. God's always doing something new. God's always moving forward. I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? This is a good question. I will make pathway through wildernesses. I will create rivers and dry wastelands. He's basically saying, I'm going to do miracles in your midst. Are you going to miss them? Because you can't see what I'm doing? See, that happens because our feelings, our feelings will filter what we see and therefore perceive to be true. When we're stuck in the past, when we're stuck in what's happening, when we're stuck in, 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 this, in this role, if you will, of, 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 of what people are doing in terms of, their, this is how the other way it plays itself out is socially. When you, you, know, when you live in this social media culture and you, you know, you're comparing your life to everyone else's highlight reel and you, you just feel like everyone else has got to figure it out except you, then what you feel will become true. And what you feel will filter how you see what God is doing in your life. Because you will constantly be comparing yourself to others. You will constantly be dealing with the pain of your past. You will not be, under, you will not be able to see what he said he's going to do in terms of a new thing in you because you're a new creation in him. We can't settle for our feelings to dictate how we identify ourselves. We have to, have to, guys, have to live into that lasting purpose, live into the power of the transformation of God to give us our identity in him. That only happens, that only happens with absolute truth. Our identity in Christ is rooted in, remains in, is derived from the absolute truth of the Word of God. That's it. That's where it comes from. And you are always going to listen. I mean, this is one of those things I want to make sure that you know because this is not going to be kind of a rah rah end of the message. But listen, if you have issues with the Word of God, if you have issues with the things that God has said, you're always going to struggle to live up and to live the fullness of the identity in Christ that you have. Okay, I'm just, I'm just letting you know. You know, you, we, for some reason, we again live in this culture of relative truth. So we're allowed to, we're allowed to love all the things that we say we love God, and we love some of the scripture passages that come out. But we don't like the horrors of the Old Testament, you know, and we don't like the the way he talks about sexual sin in the New Testament. We don't like that at all. We love the love stuff. Oh, the love your neighbor stuff, fantastic. But we don't like it when the Bible talks about what awaits people who don't choose Jesus. Okay, we're talking about judgment. We don't like that. You're going to have to settle. You're going to have to settle this little, this little pissing match with God 
about what you think is true and what he thinks is true because his word, his Bible, his word of God is absolute truth. And it's the only thing that can give you a renewed mind. It's the only thing that can, can, can keep you rooted and resting in your identity in Christ. Why? Because it's not how others define you, it's how he defines you. It's not about what you're doing or what you're doing for him, it's what he's done for you. It's not about what you feel is true. It's about what he says is true. So we're going to go through a quick, you know, little exercise together, okay? I want you to repeat after me. This is a repeat thing. You can read it on the screen, but sometimes it won't match the screen. But just, just repeat these things with me in terms of what I mean by when I say absolute truth. I have been chosen. Just repeat that. I have been chosen. That's absolute truth. And you know, there's, still, there's Christians who walk around that are still waiting to be chosen by someone. They're waiting to be loved and chosen. And yet, God says, I have chosen you. I am a new person. Say that. We spent the whole first part of this year talking about this in terms of the first in January our series. Like, you are a new person. You are already the new you <laughs> because of Jesus. And there are many people that still do not believe this is true about them because they do not feel that way. I am a son and daughter of God. This will be where it gets messy. Okay, so if you're a son, you say son. If you're a daughter, you say, you say daughter. Go ahead and say it out loud. I am a That's who you are. You are adopted as his own. Keep going. I am a member of Christ's body. Say that out loud. Yeah, I'm a member of the body of Christ. We talked about this yesterday at Growth Track. We've always talked about this. Like every single person is a member of the larger body of Christ. You all have a part to play, just like an arm and a tooth and a foot and a nail. Like you have everything. We, we have the body of Christ at our, at our midst because God has a plan and a purpose for all of us together. And if we read in Ephesians, he's going to see those plans play out. Do you want to be a part of that? Keep going. I am free from condemnation. Say it out loud. I am free from condemnation. No shame, no guilt. There's no room for that in your life with your identity in Christ. You've been set free. You've been set truly free. Don't get tied up again to guilt and shame. You're free from condemnation. Keep going. I have been redeemed. Say it out loud. You've been justified by Jesus, made right with God. You are being sanctified by the Holy Spirit and dwells you. You will be glorified one day. You are redeemed. Huge. Keep going. Say it out loud. I've been fully, I am fully equipped for this life. Say it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you believe that. It's hard to believe that, isn't it? It's hard to believe that when you wake up every morning and you feel lacking. You wake up every morning and you feel like you don't have the answers, you don't have the energy, you don't know what's next, you don't have all that you think you need because you compare yourself with everyone else. You've allowed everyone else to define who you are. 
And yet the scripture, the word of God, the absolute truth says, listen, you have been given all you need to accomplish everything he's called you to do. You are fully equipped for this life. Fully equipped. (laughs) This is a good one. I am God's masterpiece. Say it out loud. Do you believe that? I mean, I'm a Picasso. I'm a little all over the place, but you know. I'm God's masterpiece. I created this sheet for you to take with you today. It's out there at the info bar and back at the cafe. It's just a card. And it's got 30 scriptures. It's got 30 declarative statements that are rooted in absolute truth of your identity in Christ. You can read it every day, every morning. You can read one off. You can read it for a month and then repeat it again the next month. And this isn't to sort of help you with any type of like self-talking, self-care mantra, like I'm good enough and smart enough and doggone it, people like me. That's, that's not what this is. This is so that you would understand that you, being defined by God, have a source of absolute truth as to who you are. It doesn't, it doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter your current, present situation. It doesn't matter the, the, the decisions you're going to make in the future. You have an unshakable faith. You have an absolute truth as to who you are in Christ. And my goal is that if you take this and you read this and you use this, you might actually start to believe this. That's my prayer. I don't want you to settle. I don't want you to settle for an identity. I don't want you to settle for just because it's significant right now. Your job, you being a mom, a parent. Just because it's significant right now. I don't want you to settle for that. I want you to seek first, first things first. I want you to seek first your identity in Christ to tell you who you are so you can live and experience the life he wants you to live. Let's pray together. God the Father, I just pray that your word is speaking powerfully today into the hearts and minds of those here this morning who were here earlier this morning who are watching online later. God, I just pray that that it's your word, your absolute truth, that is starting to, to go to war with all the identity traps and the identities that sit within our hearts. God, you have, over the years, you have broken me of so many false identities, of the characteristics and things that I, I wanted to make me important, I wanted to make me significant. God, I'm thankful for every time that you do that. I'm thankful for every time you put me through the ringer that I come out, God, stronger, more joy-filled because I can rest in my identity in you. It's not about how others define me, but God, how you define me. It's not about what I'm going to do for you. It's about what you have already done for me. And God, don't let my feelings dictate what is true. But let me constantly lean, constantly depend on your absolute truth to tell me who I am. God, I pray this morning 
just as we sit here, there may be people here, God, that just, they want this to be true of them, but they have not settled. They have not settled salvation in their heart and mind just yet. So God, this morning, just right now, as we pray as a church, I'm going to just extend that invitation to those who may or may not be here in the room, that if you need to make that decision, you need to start your relationship with Jesus right now so that this can be true of you. I want to pray for you as a church. And if you want to, just raise your hand, and I'll see it, and we'll pray for you as a church together. For those watching later that may need to make that decision so that you can be a part of this truth. God, as a church, we pray together. For those making decisions to, to, to give their life to you because they want They don't want to settle for the temporary anymore. They want to live in the transformational power of what's lasting and their identity in you. God, this morning, it's only by your power and it's only by your grace that you can do the work in our hearts that you're already doing. God, give us the heart to respond to you this morning. Let it break down those walls, break down those those false identities in us. And may we step into and begin to engage our identity in you. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.